Father Edward Looney, and you're listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. Throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes, over 2,500 pages, of the Mystical City of God. If you'd like to discuss today's readings, I invite you to head over to Facebook, and there you'll be able to discuss it with others who are reading and following along. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you sent missionaries to your people, who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people, implanting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria teaches how to pray and meditate, teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady, Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 263. We are reading from Volume 3, Book 6, Chapter 23, Paragraphs 701 to 710. Chapter 23. The triumph of Christ our Savior over the demon of the cross, his death, and the prophecy of Habakkuk, the counsel of the demons in hell. 701. The hidden and venerable mysteries of this chapter correspond to many others scattered throughout the whole extent of this history. One of them is that Lucifer and his demons in the course of the life and the miracles of our Savior could never ascertain fully whether the Lord was true God and Redeemer of the world and consequently what was the dignity of Most Holy Mary. This was so disposed by divine providence in order that the whole mystery of the Incarnation and the redemption of the human race might be more fittingly accomplished. Lucifer, although knowing that God was to assume human flesh, nevertheless knew nothing of the manner and the circumstances of the Incarnation. As he was permitted to form an opinion of this mystery in accordance with his pride, he was full of hallucinations, sometimes believing Christ to be God on account of his miracles, sometimes rejecting such an opinion of an account of seeing him poor, humiliated, afflicted, and fatigued. Harassed by these contradicting evidences, he remained in doubt and continued his inquiries until the predestined hour of Christ's death on the cross, where, in virtue of the passion, death of the sacred humanity, which he had himself brought about, he was to be both undecided and vanquished by the full solution of these mysteries. 702. This triumph of Christ our Savior was accomplished in such an exalted and miraculous manner that I feel the sluggishness and insufficiency of my powers to describe it. It took place in manner too spiritual and too far removed from the perception of the senses, according to which I must describe its process. In order to manifest it, I should wish we were able to speak and understand one another by means of the simple intercourse and vision peculiar to the angels. For such would be necessary in order to describe and understand correctly this great miracle of the omnipotence of God. I shall say what I can and leave the understanding of it more to the enlightenment of faith than to the signification of my words. 703. In the preceding chapter, I have said that Lucifer and his demons, as soon as they saw the Lord taking the cross upon his sacred shoulders, wished to fly and cast themselves into hell. For at that moment they began to feel with greater force the operations of his divine power. 
By divine intervention, this new torment made them aware that the death of the innocent man, whose destruction they had plotted and who could not be a mere man, threatened great ruin to themselves. They therefore desired to withdraw, and they ceased to incite the Jews and the executioners as they had done hitherto. But the command of the Most Blessed Mary, enforced by the divine power, detained them, and enchained like fiercest dragons compelled them to accompany Christ to Calvary. The ends of the mysterious chain that bound them were placed in the hands of Mary, the great queen, who by the power of her divine son held them all in subjection bondage. Although they many times sought to break away and raged in helpless fury, they could not overcome the power of the heavenly lady. She forced them to come to Calvary and stand around the cross where she commanded them to remain motionless and witness the end of the great mysteries there enacted for the salvation of men and the ruin of themselves. 704. Lucifer and his infernal hosts were so overwhelmed with pains and torments by the presence of the Lord and his blessed mother, and with the fear of their impending ruin, that they would have felt greatly relieved to be allowed to cast themselves into the darkness of hell. As this was not permitted them, they fell upon one another and furiously fought with each other like hornets, disturbed in their nest, or like a brood of vermin, confusedly seeking some dark shelter. But their rabid fury was not that of animals, but that of demons, more cruel than dragons. Then the haughty pride of Lucifer saw itself entirely vanquished, and all his proud thoughts of setting his throne above the stars of heaven, and drinking dry the waters of the Jordan, put to shame. How weak and annihilated was now he, who was so often had presumed to overturn the whole earth. How downcast and confounded he who had deceived so many souls by false promises and vain threats. How dismayed this unhappy one at the sight of the gibbet where he had sought to place Meridocius, Esther 7.9. What a horrid shame to see the true Esther, most holy Mary, asking for the rescue of her people and the downfall of their traitor and the chastisement of his pride. There our invincible Judith beheaded him. Judith 13.10. There she trod upon his haughty neck. From now on, O Lucifer, I know that thy arrogance and pride is much greater than thy strength. Isaiah 16.6. Instead of splendor, now worms clothe thee about. Isaiah 14.11. And rottenness envelops and consumes the carrion corpse. Thou who hast afflicted the nations art now more wounded, bound, and oppressed them all in the world. Thenceforward, I do not fear thy counterfeit threats. I will no longer listen to thy wiles, for I see thee reduced, weakened, and entirely helpless. 705. The time had now come for this ancient dragon to be vanquished by the master of life. As this was to be the hour of his disillusionment, and as this poisonous asp was not to escape it by stopping his ears to the voice of the enchanter, the Lord began to speak the seven words from his cross at the same time providing that Lucifer and his demons should understand the mysteries therein contained. For it was by this disclosure that the Lord wished to triumph over them, over sin and death, and to spoil them of their tyrannous power, over the human race. The Savior then pronounced the first word, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Luke 23.34 By these words the princes of darkness came to the full conviction that Christ our Lord was speaking to the Eternal Father, that he was his natural Son and the true God, and with him the Holy Ghost, that he had permitted death in his most sacred and perfect humanity, united to the divinity for the salvation of the whole human race, that now he offered his infinitely precious merits for the pardon of the sins of all those children of Adam, who should avail themselves whereof for their rescue, not accepting even the wretches that crucified him. 
At this discovery, Lucifer and his demons were thrown into such fury and despair that they instantly wished to hurl themselves impetuously to the depths of hell and strained all their powers to accomplish it in spite of the powerful queen. 706. In the second word spoken by the Lord to the fortunate thief, Amen, I say to thee today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. The demons understood that the fruits of the redemption and the justification of sinners ended in the glorification of the just. They were made aware that from this hour the merits of Christ would commence to act with a new force and strength, that through them should be opened the gates of paradise, which had been closed by the first sin, and that from now on would enter upon eternal happiness and occupy their destined heavenly seats, which until now had been impossible for them. They perceived the power of Christ to call sinners, justify and beautify them, and they felt the triumphs gained over themselves by the exalted virtues, the humility, patience, meekness, and all the virtues of his life. The confusion and torment of Lucifer at seeing this cannot be explained by human tongue, but it was so great that he humiliated himself as far as to beg the most blessed virgin to permit them to descend into hell and be cast out from her presence. But the great queen would not consent, as the time had not yet arrived. 707. At the third word spoken by the Lord to his mother, Woman, behold thy son, the demons discovered that this heavenly lady was the true mother of the God-man, the same woman whose likeness and prophetic sign had been shown to them in the heavens, at their creation, and who was to crush their head as announced by the Lord in the terrestrial paradise. They were informed of the dignity and excellence of this great lady over all creatures, and of her power, which they were now even experiencing. As they had from the beginning of the world and from the creation of the first woman used all their astuteness to find out who this great woman that was announced in the heavens could be, and as they now discovered her in Mary, whom they had until now overlooked, these dragons were seized with inexpressible fury, their having been mistaken, crushed their arrogance beyond all their other torments, and in their fury they raged against their own selves like bloodthirsty lions, while their helpless wrath against the heavenly lady was increased a thousandfold. Moreover, they discerned that St. John was appointed by Christ our Lord as the angel guardian of his mother, endowed with the powers of the priesthood. This they understood to be in the nature of a threat against their own wrath, which was well known to St. John. Lucifer saw not only the power of the evangelist, but that, given to all the priests in virtue of their participation, the dignity and power of our Redeemer, and that the rest of the just, even though no priests, were placed under the special protection of the Lord and made powerful against hell. All this paralyzed the strength of Lucifer and his demons. The fourth word of Christ was addressed to the Eternal Father. God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The evil spirits discovered in these words that the charity of God toward men and boundless and everlasting, that in order to satisfy it, he had mysteriously suspended the influence of the divinity over his most sacred humanity thus permitting his sufferings to reach the highest degree and drawing from them the most abundant fruits, that he was aware and lovingly complained of his being deprived of the salvation of a part of the human race. How ready he was to suffer more, if such would be ordained by the Eternal Father. Man's good fortune in being so beloved by God increased the envy of Lucifer and his demons, and they foresaw the divine omnipotence, following out this immense love without limitation. This knowledge crushed the haughty malice of the enemies, and they were made well aware of their own weakness and helplessness in opposing this love, if men themselves should not choose to neglect its influence. 709. The fifth word of Christ, I thirst, confirmed Christ's triumph over the devil and his followers. They were filled with wrath and fury because the Lord clearly let them see their total overthrow. 
By these words they understood him to say to them, If what I suffer for men and my love for them seem great to you, be assured that my love for them is still unsatiated, that it continues to long for their eternal salvation, that the mighty waters of torment and sufferings have not extinguished it. Much more would I suffer for them, if it were necessary in order to deliver them from your tyranny and make them powerful and strong against your malice and pride. 7.10 In the sixth word of the Lord it is consummated, Lucifer and his hordes were informed that the mystery of the incarnation and redemption was now accomplished and entirely perfected according to the degree of divine wisdom. For they were made to feel that Christ our Redeemer had obediently fulfilled the will of the Eternal Father, that he had accomplished all the promises and prophecies made to the world by the ancient fathers, that his humility and obedience had compensated for their own pride and disobedience in heaven, and not having subjected themselves and acknowledged him as their superior in human flesh, and that they were now, through the wisdom of God, justly humbled and vanquished by the very Lord whom they despised. The great dignity and the infinite merits of Christ demanded that in the very hour he should exercise his office and power of judge over angels and men, such as had been conceded to him by the Eternal Father. He now applied this power by hurling the sentence at Lucifer and all his followers, that being condemned to eternal fire, they instantly depart in the deepest dungeons of hell. This very sentence was included in the pronouncing of the seventh word, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Luke 23.46 The mighty queen and mother concurred with the will of her son Jesus, and united with his her command that Lucifer and all demons depart to the infernal depths. In virtue of these decrees of the Supreme King and of the Queen, the evil spirits were routed from Calvary and precipitated to deepest hell more violently, and suddenly than a flash of light through the riven clouds. This concludes our reading today for day number 263. We've been reading from Volume 3, Book 6, Chapter 23, Paragraphs 701 to 710. Over the last several days we had been reading about the words of Jesus in Chapter 22, and so today... What well, we hear the words of Jesus from the cross and what they meant to the evil one, to the one who tried to take away all of our souls, and now how that evil one is being defeated by the words of Jesus. And so each paragraph we've read today tells us by this word, this is how Satan was vanquished. This was how he was conquered by the wood of the cross. How powerful was this line? How weak and annihilated was now he who so often had presumed to overturn the whole earth. How downcast and confounded he who had deceived so many souls by false promises. What well, one of those false souls, remember, being Judas. And vain threats. How dismayed this unhappy one at the sight of the gibbet where he had sought to place Mardokius. What a horrid shame to see the true Esther, most holy Mary, asking for the rescue of her people. Powerful words here. Thinking about how Satan has been defeated and then... The demeanor, the disposition of Satan, downcast and confounded, dismayed and unhappy, horrid shame. Imagine if every time we were faced with temptation of sin, that we conquered it by the wood of the cross of Jesus. What shame, what weakness, what annihilation, what blow it would give to Satan. So we should strive to do that. I also, here we heard about Mardokis, what horrid shame to see the true Esther, most holy Mary, asking for the rescue. There our invincible Judith beheaded him, so forth and so on. So we see some of these typologies, these archetypes of Our Lady from the Old Testament. Esther, 
Mary is the true Esther now beseeching God on behalf of the people of God. She wants them to be rescued. She wants us to be rescued. The third word spoken by the Lord was, Woman, behold thy son. And the demons discovered that this heavenly lady that this heavenly lady was the true mother of God, and that they had until now overlooked her. These dragons were seized with inexpressible fury. So this mention of dragons, go back to Revelation 12, that the woman in the sky, she was battling against the dragons. She's battling against evil. And so really, the foot of the cross is almost Revelation 12. And there are some biblical scholars that I've read that try to put it as that. That as Mary is suffering, she's giving birth to the church with her son. In that moment, that woman in the sky who is wailing as if giving birth, who is caught up in a battle against the dragon, they suggest that it could be truly the crucifixion scene in our life. Let us take up battle with Our Lady against the evil dragons that confront us. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.